Good evening, everybody, as we prepare our hearts and minds for Bible study. I want to welcome you in and ask you to do me a favor. Go ahead and share this with somebody. Go ahead and tell somebody to tune in with you. It's an awesome time to be in the presence of the Lord. It's an awesome time to be in worship and in fellowship on this evening. So I hope that you have your Bibles, your pens, your pad. I hope you have it all with you as we prepare our hearts and minds. This is Bible study. So I want you to make sure that you are ready to participate. We got an awesome topic, awesome thing that we're going to talk about on this evening. I'm going to give you about another minute just to get just to get things in order, just to get yourself prepared and your hearts and minds. As you can see, we are virtually today. I want you to have your dinners. I want you to have everything that you got. I want you to have everything with you. We will return back to the sanctuary on next week. But I do want to jump into the word on this evening. I want to open us up with a word of prayer on this evening. So if all hearts and minds are prepared, I'm not going to hold us long because we have a lot to get to on this evening. So prepare your hearts and minds as we go before the throne in, uh, throne in prayer. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you, God, for this day. We thank you, God, for this time. We thank you, God, for your anointing. We thank you, God, for bringing us through today, God. We ask, God, right now that you forgive us of any sins that we have may, may have committed on today, God. Sins against your will, your purpose, and your plan. Sins against your design that you have for our life. And we thank you, God, for all that you're doing. We thank you, God, for all that you've done. We ask you to cast those sins into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered again. We ask you, God, right now just to take it and remove us from the book of judgment and restore us to the book of life. We ask, God, that right now you give clarity, give your Holy Spirit, give us understanding, give us wisdom, give us all the things that we need, all the tools that we need to be better servants, better Christians, better fathers, better mothers, brother, better children. And we just thank you, God, for what you're going to do. Now, God, hide this your servant behind the cross so that the people will see none of me, but they will hear and see all of thee. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. You are my strength and my redeemer. It is in your son Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. And while the music plays real quick, lift up your Bibles, your cell phones, whatever you may have, and let's make our Bible declaration. We're going to get into some word and repeat after me. Lord, I thank you that I have a Bible. It is my personal copy of God's purpose, God's plan, and God's design for my life. Therefore, I am a believer and not a doubter. I'm not just a hearer, but I'm also a doer. And my life has been better after hearing the word of the living God. Therefore, my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will not be distracted, but I will hear what thus saith the Lord. And as a result of what I hear today, I'm going to leave here better than I came. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Once again, like I said, I'm welcome to our midweek Bible study here at Liberty Christian Church International. Um, I want you to do me a favor once again. Go ahead and share this on your page. Share this with somebody because we're going to jump into this topic. Um, I've been praying about it. I've been researching it, and I've been studying it. Over Sunday, you know, we began a new series called The Monster in Me, and we began talking about um, anger on that day. 
And we talked about the, 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 that little monster on the inside of us um, that, that builds up, that flares up, that, that monster of anger um, that does not uh, show its ugly face until we're either hurt, going through emotional bondage, whether we're harboring hurt, whether we're going through anguish, whether we're going through a stressful situation. But that spirit of anger rises up, and we were talking about how to deal with it. We looked at David, and we looked, we looked at Absalom, excuse me. Um, and we looked at two different situations in their lives, um, two different stories that took place in the Bible. But tonight, I really want to dive into some other things. I want to dive into some things um, that's going to help us. But first, I need you all to look at uh, the screen right now and and as we go over our memory scripture for this whole series. But then I really want to get into something different. If you remember, our first memory scripture uh, comes from Matthew 10 and 1. And it says this, and when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to do what? To cast, uh, to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases. That's Matthew 10 and 1. And our other scripture came from Ephesians 4, verses 30 through 32. And it says this, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Uh, let, all bitter, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Somebody underline that for me. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Verse number 32 says, and be kind to one another, get this, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as what? As God in Christ forgave you. So once again, we're going to deal with this thing, this theme, this, this talk, uh, dealing with anger. And, and, one, and really, I want to focus on this topic. I want to focus on this mindset. I want to focus on this thought. Um, and, and if you saw me earlier talk about it, why living your truth is wrong. Now, some of you may say, well, what does that have to do with anger? Um, because a lot of times when we're dealing with our truth or coming to the understanding that I'm going to live my truth, it comes generally from a stressful situation. Um, it comes from somebody not agreeing with the choices that we've made, someone arguing uh, for a lot of people, they say, because somebody has judged them, um, because somebody has told them um, that what they're thinking or what they're doing may be wrong. Um, you may have gone through situations in relationships where you felt like you were a people pleaser. You tried to please that other person and you got hurt in the, uh, in, in the long run. Um, they did not value your opinion. Opinion. And so when you came out of it, you came out of it with the connotation, I'm not going to be what anybody else wants me to be. I'm going to live in my truth. I'm going to live my own truth. But there's a problem with that because, see, society has begun, to, has begun to tell us that this thought, this mindset, this notion of living in your truth is the way that we're supposed to go. 
The, this thought that living in your truth is the way that you should function, the way you should go about your day, and even in that, that whoever does not agree with you living in your truth uh, can just go on about their business. You don't have to worry about them. You don't have to care about them. But the problem with living in your truth means that you are not acknowledging that you're a fallible human being. That you make mistakes, that even your own thoughts, as the Bible says, your ways are not my ways, your thoughts are not my thoughts, that, that your thoughts and your mindsets, if they're not lined up with the word of God, uh, does not allow you to effectively live in, your, live in God's truth, not your truth. Yeah, see, see, God's truth, uh, because he's, he, he's omniscient, he's omnipresent, he knows our end from our beginning, and he knows just what it means to tell us uh, to the direction we go, the path we take, the things that we do, and how we operate in the world, that, that if God's truth is different from the truth that we're trying to live in. Why? Because the truth we're trying to live in is generally based off of situations, is generally based off of emotions, is generally based off of circumstances, is generally based off something that's not attached to the word and the will and the purpose of God. So tonight we're going to deal with anger and we're going to deal with why you should not live in your truth, why it is wrong to live in your truth. Now you want to say, let's, let's talk about anger first. Um, um, because oftentimes when, when we see anger and we deal with anger, there are some things I need you to see when the Bible talks about anger. And our first scripture that we're going to look at, because this is Bible study, and the Bible says to study to show thyself approved, a workman who need not be ashamed, but rightly dividing the truth. There's that word truth. Make sure you underline that. Rightly dividing the truth of God. And, and so now I want you to see some things where it deals with anger anger. Our first scripture we're going to look at is James, the first chapter, looking at the 19th and 20th verse. And, and I need you to get this. So this is what it talks about when we're dealing with anger. This is what the Bible says about anger. James, the first chapter, looking at the 19th and 20th verse. It said, so then, my beloved brethren, let every man be what? Swift to hear, but get this, slow to speak, slow to wrath, and guess what? For the wrath of a man does not produce the righteousness of God. I need you to go back because that word wrath is synonymous and is the equivalent of anger. So it says, so then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. That means we, we, we can listen to, uh, 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 listen to what's going on. It says slow to speak because we have to use wisdom before we reply. We have to use uh, God's, uh, we have to take it and submit it to God in all of our conversations before we, re before we, uh, before we reply to what's, being, what's going on. Whatever the situation is, whatever the nature of the situation is, we have to be slow to speak. If, if, if I took a survey of anybody that's watching online right now, I guarantee that if you talked about some situations that could have been diffused, a lot 
of time, it's the anger that comes from it. It's the words that come from it that end up causing the situation not being able to be diffused. Because one person says one thing out of anger. Somebody says, you can't say that to me. And the next thing comes out of anger. Then it goes back and forth until you have a severed relationship based because nobody would ever calm down their anger and be slow to speak. So it said, be slow to speak and slow to wrath. Why? For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God, does not produce the holiness of God, does not show the nature of God. Amen. So now if we're if we're in that place and that's what we're doing, we got to deal with anger. Let's look over at Colossians three and eight real quick. Colossians three and eight. And it says this. But now you yourselves are to do what? Put off all these things. Somebody, if you writing this down, if you if you have your Bible, put off all these things. The first one is anger. Wrath malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Matter of fact, I need somebody to go back and, and, and see that one more time. It says, put off all these things. It's like wearing a garment. And if it says put off, that means I got to take off the anger. I got to take off the wrath. I got to take off the malice. I got to take off the blasphemy, which is talking about somebody. I got to take off the filthy language out of my mouth. Why? Because it is not of God's nature that we, ought, that we communicate like this. When we communicate in anger, it does not glorify God. We just saw in our last text in James that it does not produce the righteousness of God. So if we don't put it off, we are not producing a godly relationship. We are not producing a godly interaction with one another. We aren't producing a godly environment for one another when we're communicating in anger. Yes, we get upset. The Bible says to be angry but sin not. Yes, we get upset. Yes, we're loud. But if, we're, if we really want to be truthful, a lot of times we communicate in anger because we're hurt and we don't know how to effectively or properly manage the hurt that we're having. Amen. So if, we're, if we put off anger and wrath and malice and blasphemy and filthy language out of our mouth, then our communication styles begin to grow and become better. Not only do they begin to grow and become better, then we can, as we will see later on, then we can change how the truth that we live in and match that truth to the way that God wants us to live. I told you I got a lot of scripture for you on this evening. So that was Colossians 3 and 8. Next, I need you to look at, matter of fact, I need you to see that real quick. I want you to make sure you highlight that. Make sure you get that. Make sure you see that. Make sure that you put that in your notes. That's Colossians 3 and 8. And also, I'm going to do it so that you can see the first one again. That's James 1, 19 and 20. It says, for once again, it says, so then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Why? For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. 
Yeah, so, so once we see that, and one, then we see Colossians, but now I need you to look back in James. James is a powerful book if you ever just need something to read about how you should live as a Christian. When you look at the book of James in the fourth chapter, looking at the first through the sixth verse, this is what it says. Uh, where do wars, and I love this scripture, I love this text. When I was studying and I was researching it out, I had never paid attention intently to what this text said. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? That war in your body, that war in your members. It says, it goes on and says this, you lust and do not have. You murder and covenant and covet, excuse me, and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. Yeah, I, 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 need, I, I need somebody to hear that again. It says, where do wars come? Where, do ang- where does anger come from? And where do fights come from amongst you and others? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure? Like I said, a lot of times we get angry simply because our emotions are hurt. We get angry simply because we don't get our way. We get angry simply because things have changed in our environment and our situation. Things have changed in our relationships. Things have changed in a way that we do not like it. And instead of dealing with it properly, we then turn around and say that we have that 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 uh, that it becomes fights and it becomes wars amongst one another. Amen. It becomes this thing. It becomes this situation. It becomes this need and it becomes this design and this microphone went out excuse me everybody I had to change the battery in there but it uh, we do not uh, we, we have a tendency to, to not operate function, uh, properly when our fights come about and, or things that change our environment comes about. Amen. So now I need you to see this a little bit more. It goes on in verse number two and says this. You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. Meaning that you will kill. And I don't just mean emotionally. Or I don't just mean physically, but you will kill emotions. You will kill uh, mental issues. You will kill people's heart condition. You will kill people's relationships because you covet something they have and cannot obtain. Get this. You fight and you war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. But then get this. It goes on to say this. You ask and do not receive. Guess why? Because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. I need you to see that because part of this thing about living in your truth and living in a mindset and in a way where we're not pleasing in God's sight is be, and we're not receiving what God, God's best for our life is because we ask and we don't have the right mindset when we ask. Amen. 
We know the Bible says that asking you shall ask anything in my name and the Father will give it unto you. But then we sit there and say, well, God, why am I not being blessed with this? Why am I not being blessed with that? God, I constantly talk to you. God, I constantly serve to you. But the but scripture says you, you ask and you do not receive. Why? Because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures, not on pleasing God, not being a better kingdom citizen, not operating in righteousness and in hope. Holiness, but you get you ask for it so that you can spend it on your own pleasures. Verse number four says this adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that friendships with the world is enmity with God? Yeah, yeah. God doesn't like that. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself, guess what, an enemy of God. Somebody need to hear that. Somebody need to post that. Somebody need to reply and, and copy that back out. It says, Who, uh, whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Verse number five. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? When it says it yearns jealousy, he, he, he yearns for, your, for all of you to connect to all of him. Not part of you, not some of you, not only when you feel like it, not only on Sunday afternoon or Sunday morning in church, not when your family member is sick, but it's the Bible says the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy. Jealously, excuse me. See, when James was writing this and he was talking, he wasn't talking to the world. He was talking to the church, the brethren, those who were disciples of Jesus Christ. And he's telling them that, look, God wants this relationship with you. God wants to be with you intimately. God wants to have your all and all with him. And, and when you don't give that to him, he yearns jealously for that relationship. Because verse four, number, number four says adulterers and adulteresses, meaning those who are going outside of the covenant, the marriage between you and God. He says those that he says it intently, adulterers and adulteresses, men and women. Do you not know that friendship with the world? That means you're if as a child of God, when you're committing adultery with the world, when your relationship with the world is built on you trying to be liked by the world. Yeah, I'm coming down somebody's street real quick. Liked by the world, liked by those in the world, instead of standing up for righteousness, instead of standing up for holiness, instead of standing up for the word of God, the plan of God, instead of calling sin, sin, and calling righteousness righteousness instead of only operating and talking about faith and prosperity but you're you're beginning to tell everybody about the full truth of God yeah he said adulterers and adulteresses do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God yeah i didn't say it the the, the bible says it and too often do we find people who, 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 who uh, straddle the fence and yet and still say, well, God got me. God covers me. The Bible says whoever therefore wants to be friend of the world 
makes himself an enemy of God. So my question and my challenge to you is, are you a friend of God or are you a friend of the world? And you have to self-examine. Is your lifestyle pleasing to God? Or is your lifestyle pleasing by the world's standards? Yeah, I, I, I know this is touching on some things, but it says whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself a friend of the enemy. Number five, or do you think that scripture says it, uh, that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously. Verse number six says this, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he said, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That means after all that, that I just said, God still gives us grace to get it right with him. He knows that because the world, because we were born into sin, shaped in iniquity, he knows that because the fall of man has, has condemned or has changed our mindset and our thoughts, that he gives us grace so that we can begin to learn of him, we can begin to function with him, we can begin to build a right relationship with him, we can begin to have authority through him, but guess what? Even in the area of anger, we got to begin to transition from living in our truth to understanding what his truth is. Yeah, I, I, I need you to, to, to grab hold of this. I need you to make sure that you're taking notes on this. I need you to see just what it is that God is trying to do with you. Listen, my next scripture. Ephesians 4 and 26. Get this. Be angry, once again, like I said, and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Well, he said this to me, and I ain't talking to him. Uh, for those that are married that have spouses, he turned over, and I'm not saying nothing to him for the rest of the night. What if that was the last thing that either one of you said to each other? Before God returned. What if that was the last thing that each one of you said to each other before one of you all took your last breath? Are you willing to say that, that it did not matter whether I love that person, but they made me angry enough not to speak to them, not to mend things tonight, not to mend things before we go to sleep, because I'm just automatically assuming that they'll be here tomorrow. I'm automatically assuming that they're going to be around next week. We do that with family members. We do that with other people. We do that with relationships. And then 10, 20, 30 years go by and that person dies and you have unresolved issue because you had unresolved anger, because you had unresolved situations and you kept allowing the sun to go down because you wanted to live in your truth. Because you wanted to live and not listen. They wanted to not hear. They didn't want to relate. They didn't want to, uh, 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 at least for the, sake of, for the sake of the word of God, bury the hatchet in a way where you may not ever have a relationship with that person, but you are not angry anymore. Because being angry puts us in bondage. Being angry ties each and every last one of us to many jail cells. 
Every time you have unresolved anger issues, every time you have unresolved problems, every time you have unresolved situations that you do not deal with and you allow anger to fester, it's like putting yourself in a lifetime sentence in a jail cell for that person in that situation. And then you build on top of that with the next person. So now you're sitting there in your life and you're wondering why you're walking around and you can't control your attitude. You can't control your issues. You can't control your fish. You can't control what what comes out of your mouth because so much anger has been built up from person after person after person. And the person that you are is sitting there holding on to that thing. Who am I talking to? Who am I dealing with? What, who am I really dealing with? It says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. I want you to look at this scripture, this, this next scripture. And then we're going to move on and talk about the truth. I, I really want to spend a lot of time on the truth. Listen, 2 Timothy, the third chapter, looking at verse number 3, to, three through 8. Please make sure you mark this down in, in your papers, in your scriptures, or whatever you have. It says, unloving, unforgiving, as a matter of fact, I need, I need somebody to screenshot that, whatever you need to do, make sure we, we, we got a, a, a picture of this. Unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good. That's enough right there. But it goes on and says this, traitors, headstrong, haughty. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people, guess what? Turn away. He says this. He, Paul, the Apostle Paul, when he was writing this letter to Timothy, he said these are the people that you have to turn away from. Unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of Good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people, Paul said, turn away. He was telling the apostle, he was telling the young pastor Timothy, listen, these are the ones that you have to be aware of. Verse number six says this, for of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts. All those people that he named in verse number three, he said, these are the sorts that go in. They, they, they find people. They, it said a gullible woman, but it said he find that person finds people because we know that that's not just reserved for men. But there are women who operate under those same things as well. He said they go in and find gullible women loaded down with sins, all of that stuff, and then they lead them away by various lust in their life. Verse number seven, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. 
Why does it say the truth? Because if you can operate according to God's will, God's purpose, and God's plan in your life, then you can realize that there is a truth that we have to accept from Jesus Christ, from our relationship with him, that's bigger than us making the statements and operating in a way where we say we're living in our truth. Living in our truth sounds good, but guess what? It's sinful. We're a fallible man. We're a fa- you're a fallible woman. Your mind is not equal to that of God's. So when you may eat, put the apostle Paul put it like this, when I try to do right, I do wrong. Yeah, so sin creeps up constantly. So now if I'm trying to deal with my anger and I call myself living in my truth and telling people you got to deal with me one way or the other, either deal with me or don't deal with me, but I'm going to live like this. That means that you're unwilling to say, you know what, there may be an area in my life that is not pleasing to God that I'm presenting to others that I got to truthfully deal with and submit it to God's will, submit it to God for deliverance, submit it to God to handle the issues of my life. The Bible says to cast my cares on him, take, my, take his yoke upon me and learn of him. He didn't say that he learns from me. It says I learned from him. And if I'm learning from God, that means I got to give him the situations, the anger, the mindset, the mentality, the emotional hurt, the emotional turmoil, the physical abuse, whatever it is that I've been through, I got to give it to him in order to operate and function in his truth. Somebody say I got to change the way I think. Why? Because there are a lot of scriptures that we're going to look at real quick that deal with the truth of God. Yeah, living in my truth caused caused so much, so many issues in my own life. What about you? Lost relationships that because you lived in your truth. Lost time because you were too stubborn to chase God the way you chased everything else. Too stubborn to operate and function outside of his will and his purpose because you want to live your truth. And and, and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you this truthful story because I want to look at another scripture real quick before we even jump into the other scriptures that I have. I was watching something yesterday and, and it was a very big celebrity Um, And and I'm not going to go into detail about it. Um, But the celebrity was talking about they had been married and been divorced two other times. Now they were in this relationship and they had gotten remarried. And they and never before had they had issues with the church. They had held positions in the church. They had been a part of the church and never before had they had issues with the church. Until their lifestyle changed to something that scripture says was wrong. And because scripture said it was wrong, now it becomes I'm going to live my life. I'm going to live my truth. And those people in the church are judgmental. 
See, what this world and society has begun to buy into is that as long as I'm happy, as long as I'm doing without what I want to do, you have no right to tell me that anything I think or anything that I might say is wrong. I'm living my own truth. So there is no room for God when you're living your own truth. When you won't allow yourself, the Bible says that God chastises those that he loves. So if there is no room for God to come in and deal with you with your issues, then are you operating for God or are you operating for the, uh, for the prince of this world, who is Satan? Yeah, I'm going to make it real plain and simple. If, if, if you are in a lifestyle of sin, if you're a murderer, if you're a thief, if you're a backbiter, if you're blasphemous, if you're fornicating, if you're committing adultery, if you are doing the things that the Bible calls sin, and yet and still, when someone corrects you or challenges you about your sin in love, let, let, let me get this straight, and you constantly tell them, well, you're being judgmental about me and I'm going to live my truth. You're then saying that, God, I don't want you in my life. Yeah, I, I know I may have lost a couple of viewers with that, but I got to be real about this. Because too many people are dying and going to hell. Hell is real. Everybody's not going to heaven. And I need you to understand that your truth does not make it God's truth. And we must begin to understand God's truth for our life. So what's God's truth? I'm glad you asked. Open up your Bibles. As a matter of fact, open up your Bibles because I want you to see something real quick. Because I need you to understand the difference between our truth and God's truth. Open up your Bibles. This is not going to be on the screen real quick. But I need you to open up your Bibles to Jeremiah. Amen. It's in the Old Testament. Jeremiah. The prophet Jeremiah. I love, I love talking about the prophets. Amen. Jeremiah. Uh, let's see. Jeremiah looking at Okay, Jeremiah looking at the first chapter, looking at the first verse. And I'm just going to pick up and read it from the very first verse. It said the words of Jeremiah the son of uh Hekiah, of the priest of who uh, the priests who were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Amnon, king of Judah, in the 13th year of his reign. It came also in the day of, of Joachim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the end of the 11th year of, Zedek of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the carrying away of Jerusalem captive in the fifth month. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, this was Jeremiah, and it shall come, um, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Get this. That, that's what God said to Jeremiah. But then guess what Jeremiah said? Our Lord, our Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. 
Get this. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all whom I send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. It then verse number nine, I need you to highlight this if you have your Bibles. It said, then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I want to stop right there because in this text, the beginning part is, is Jeremiah is first what God said to Jeremiah, but then Jeremiah telling God his truth. Do you see it? It says, before I formed you, in verse number five, before I formed you in your womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to nations. This is God who created the heavens and the earth. This is God who said, I am the beginning and the end. I am the first and the last. This is God who is omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent. This is what God says to Jeremiah. This was God's truth, but Jeremiah basically rebuked that and gave God his rebuttal. He said, uh, he said, then I said, ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak for I'm a youth. That was Jeremiah's truth to himself. I cannot speak. uh, I cannot speak for I am a youth. But do you see before he was even able to go on and tell God what he was going to do and how he was going to live? It says, but the Lord said to me. What did God do? God spoke to Jeremiah once again his truth. Not Jeremiah's truth, but God's truth. What is God's truth? Let's let's dive into that. I want you to I wanted you to see that. So if somebody can put that in our uh in in the in the comment section or whatever it may be, let's let's see what God's truth is. Let's look at John, the 14th chapter in the sixth verse. Oh, matter of fact, I, I needed y'all to see that. Uh, verse number eight, before we, before we go any further. Now, as Janus and Jabriz resisted Moses, so do these also resist what? The truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith. Men of corrupt minds disapproving the faith or can disapproved concerning the faith. He said what? So do these also resist the what? The truth. Like I said, we're not dealing with, we're not operating. We can no longer operate in living in our truth, but we have to begin to identify and learn what the truth of God is. So yeah, let's see some things. See, we, we got to realize that our, our, our foundational text, Matthew 10 and 1, it says, and he gave his, this, he called his 12 disciples, and the Bible said he gave his disciples power. But now I need you to ask yourself, what power did Jesus give his disciples? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let, let, let's go. Let, let, let's go real. The power of the Holy Spirit that enables us to live in God's truth. 
How can we cast out unclean spirits by living in God's truth? How can we heal the sick by living in God's truth? How can we overcome our anger issues by living in God's truth? How can we handle the, 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 the things that come in life by living in God's truth? Yeah, so, so, so now let's see what God's truth is. Get this. What is that truth? So many people are being raised inside and outside the church to believe the notion that uh, uh, to believe the notion that the truth is only about prosperity and faith. But God teaches us so much in His Word about obedience, sacrifice, righteousness. Holiness, yes, prosperity, yes, faith, but if you are not able to, 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 to balance out the, the, the weights, the judging weights, you will tip the pendulum in the wrong direction if all you're focusing on is faith and prosperity. Why? Because when, when, when you ask God for something and he does not answer yes to it and you keep constantly saying, well, I'm standing on faith, are you going to run away and go back to the world? If God does not financially bless you in, the, in, in prosperity, are you going to turn and run away? We looked at that scripture earlier in Ephesians, not in James 4, verses 1 through 6, that talked about that. Why God does not bless us every time we ask him? Because our desires are for that of pleasure. So now we got to realize what God's truth is so that when we go to God in prayer, when we go to God in, in, in all sincerity, when we go to God in conversation, that we're asking God based upon the status and the condition of our heart that's in right relationship with him. That's not about the pleasure of this world. But it is about being kingdom citizens, moving and advancing the kingdom, and being uh, who God has called us to be in the earth. The ambassadors, the disciples that continuously are spreading the gospel. So let's look. John 14 and 6. It said, Jesus said to them, I am the what? The way. He said, also, I am the truth. He didn't say live, I am your truth. He said, I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through who? Me. That's the truth of the matter. He is the truth. He didn't say, I came to live, in, to live as your truth. He said, but I am the truth, and if you live with me as your truth, then you'll see that I am the light, and no one can come to my Father except through me. Let's keep going. John 8 and 32, it says this, and you shall know the what? The truth. It doesn't say, and you shall live in your truth. It said, and you shall know the truth. And guess what? And the truth shall do what? Make you free. Whose truth? Not you living in your truth. Not you deciding that, that I don't care what nobody else say. I'm going to live in my truth. 
If your truth is not lined up with what God's truth is, then you're living outside of the will of God. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm dealing with this on this evening. Next scripture. If we say, 1 John 1 and 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the what? The truth is not in us because the Bible declares that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It also means that every day as righteous as we want to live because the Bible declares that our righteousness is, are as filthy rags. If, if every day the, the way and the nature that we live is all we we fall to temptation we fall to sin but God has given us grace so if you're that person that constantly say I don't sin at all I've never had a bad thought about a person the Bible says that we deceive not God but we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us that means that we have given ourselves over to the father of lies. Because if the truth is not in us, that means lies are in us. And who is the father of lies? Satan. The one who goes around seeking like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That's 1 John 1 and 8. Also, 1 John 3 and 18. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but guess what? But in deed and in truth. He said, my little children, we're all God's children. Let us not love only in word or in tongue. That means stop giving lip service. Stop telling people you love them and there is no deed behind it, but in deed and in truth. That means be honest. That means you got to understand what the truth is because the truth sets you free. Let's look at, uh, uh, let's look at 1 John 4 and 6. Amen. It said, we are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of what? Of truth and the spirit of error. When you're in right relationship with God, when the Holy Spirit indwells on the inside of you, you know the spirit of truth. You also know the spirit and can identify the spirit of error. So, so we, we, we see this text because we are of God. I'm not living in my truth. See, you keep hearing me say, I'm not living in my truth. I want to live in God's truth. That has to be what we constantly say. I want to live. I want to reside. I want to have my residence. I want to have my address. I want to live, move, and have my being in God's truth. Yeah, that, that sounds good. Somebody declare that. I want to live, move, and have my being in God's truth. Yeah. Not only that, 
if we continue on and look at 1 Kings 17, 24, it says, Then the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is not your truth, but is the truth. I can't keep telling people that I'm a child of God and the word out of my mouth, the actions in my life, the way, the things that I subscribe to, the way that I move and function outside of church, if it's not operating as a kingdom citizen, the Bible says the word of the Lord is in, is in your mouth is the truth. What word are you speaking? What are you saying? What are your deeds of truth? What, what is going on in your life? So I told you, I, I'm giving you a lot of scripture on this evening. Not only that, let's, let, let's look at this next scripture. 2 Timothy 2 and 15. I, I need you to see this. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, my favorite scripture. A worker who does not, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, but rightly dividing what? The word of of truth not the word I'm, I'm gonna leave that right there rightly dividing the word of truth not rightly dividing my truth but rightly dividing the word of truth when I'm angry I have to admit I'm angry when I'm going through something I, I gotta admit to God that I'm going through something when I'm dealing with situations, I have to let God know what I'm dealing with so God can deal with the condition of my heart. So that even when I, when I slip up and fall, God knows that I'm not trying to live in my own thoughts. I'm not trying to live in my own mind. I'm not trying to live in my own direction, but I am trying to live in God's truth. Because the Bible says, for I, for I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except by me. Our next scripture, Ephesians 6 and 14. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with, it doesn't say having girded your waist with my truth, it says, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. You see, what, you see how we obtain the breastplate of righteousness? Get this, having girded your waist with truth. Why? Because if you've ever seen Roman, uh, uh, Roman battle gear, the, the, the armor that they put on. The funny thing about it is that that breastplate is heavy. But what helps the breastplate to be held and carried and worn properly is that it rests on what was girded about the waist. The belt and the, 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 the fastener that goes around the waist the, 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 the breastplate locks into it so that it can take some of the weight off of the, 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 the breastplate. 
Yeah, somebody missed what I just said. When you gird your waist with the truth, it takes off of some of the weight of you trying to live this righteous life without the truth. Because if you just tried to live righteously without truth in you, you would fall every time. But when you gird your waist with the truth, and the righteousness sits on what? The truth. That means the righteousness sits on Jesus Christ, who is around your waist, who is holding you securely, which is keeping everything. Why? Because if you understand armor, off of the waist, off of the truth lies the word. When you talk about that sword, that sword hangs off of the word. The sword hangs off of the truth. Why? Because our word is the sword, but the sword is connected to who it is, which is the truth. And who is the truth? Jesus Christ is our truth. He is the truth. He said, I am the way, the truth. That means he's that peace that connects the righteousness, the helmet of salvation. Jesus, the helmet of salvation, the righteousness of the breastplate all connects with the truth that goes around your waist. And not only that, then the word is housed in the truth. Yeah, that, that, that made me happy right there. The word is housed in the truth. So it says, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, our next scripture. And I'm, I'm moving through this. James 1 and 18. Of his own will, he brought us forth by what? The word of truth. That we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Yeah, he brought us forth by the words not of your truth, but his truth. That we might be a kind of first fruits of all his creatures. We bear the mark. We bear the testimony. We talk about the relationship. We are intently designed or redesigned once we give our life to Christ to glorify our creator. To glorify God. To give reverence to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. To allow the Holy Spirit to have full resonance on the inside of us. When I, when, like I said, in the beginning of, 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 of Matthew 10 and 1, and he gave his disciples power. What power? The Holy Spirit. To be able to live in the truth of God. Because from the truth of God comes the deliverance once again. The truth of God comes the healing. The truth of who God said he is, he is I am. So we live in God's truth, not ours. I'm going to keep going. John 1 and 17, it says this, get this, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through who? Jesus Christ. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Uh, I see we got a quiet Bible study. God is spirit, John 4 and 24. 
God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him and get, and get this. Does it say must worship him in my truth or does not worship him in spirit and my truth? Does not worship him in spirit and your truth? No, because once again, our truth is predicated on our environment, our nature, what's going on socially, what's going on economically, what's going on mentally, what's going on spiritually, what's going on emotionally, what's going on physically. Our truth varies by the nature or the circumstances that we're in. But whose truth does not vary? Whose truth never changes? God's truth. And when we worship him, we have to worship him in spirit and in the truth of who he is, not what we're going through. We worship him knowing that he has all power and authority and dominion. We worship him and we ask for his hands. We ask for him for his deliverance from anger, from any little monster in us that we deal with and struggle with, because we all struggle with, with little monsters in us. This whole series is about the monster in us, dealing with that. We all have them. Let me, let, let me continue on, because I know it's, it's 8.30. John 14 and 6 says this, Jesus said to him, Guess what? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Again, talking about his truth, not ours. John 16 and 13 says this. However, when he, the spirit of who? Of truth has come, he will do what? Guide you into what? All truth. See, this is the, the second part of this is what I mean when I say that we, got, we have to change the way that we speak when we constantly say, I'm living in my truth. The Bible says he will not speak on his own authority. When we say, I'm living in my truth, or you're living in your truth, you're speaking on your own authority, an authority that's fallible. An authority that has made mistakes. An authority that does not know everything. An authority that can't be everywhere in the beginning of time and the end of time at the same time. The, the, that authority that we have, once again, sees with the eyesight that we see. But the God we serve, when we allow the Holy Spirit, it says, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. The Holy Spirit, he speaks on, on he speaks of God's truth. He will guide you into all truth. We got to, we, we, we got to submit ourselves to him so that he can guide us and we no longer live in our truth, but we live in the truth of God. Not only that, 
John 17 and 17 says this, sanctify them by who? By what? By your truth. By whose truth? By God's truth. Your word is truth. See, it, it keeps on identifying the truth. We are not to live in our own truth, but we are to reside in God's truth. It says sanctify them. That means I'm washed. I'm purified. I'm set free by God's truth. How do I know his truth? His word is truth. What does John 1 and 1 say? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So your word, it, Jesus Christ, is truth. We already read scripture that identifies him as the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I took you through a systematic approach with this thing, and I need you to get this. It said, lead me in your truth, and what? And teach me. See, we have allowed the world to teach us for far too long. We've allowed, even in the church, the church has gotten to a place where it wants the world's recognition and the world's accolades, but the Bible says, lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are what? The God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. This was David. He said, lead me in your truth. The king of Israel said, lead me, God, in your truth, because my mind is fallible. My mind makes mistakes. So I need you to lead me the way you see fit, because if I, lead, if I live in my truth, I might think I'm highly exalted above these people. I might think that I don't need you, God. I might think that you don't do anything for me, God. I might think that I've arrived, God. I might think that because I got a little bit of success that I don't need to submit my life to you. I might think that because I got a couple of possessions. I got a couple of cars. I got a couple of houses. I got a couple of things that I don't need to submit my will, my will and my life to you. But David said, lead me in your truth and teach me for you are the God of my salvation. On you, I wait all the days. Mm -hmm. Psalms 86 and 11 says this, teach me your ways, O Lord. I will walk in what? In your truth. Again, David did not say, I'll walk in my truth. He did not say, I'll walk in and I'll live in my truth. He said, oh, Lord, I will walk in your truth. Because when the naysayers come and they question you about what your plan is, they question you about the visions that you have. They question you about the dreams that you have. They question you about the assignment that you're on. They question you about the moves that you make. You have to be able to say that I'm walking in the truth of the one who created 
created me in his image and in his likeness. I'm walking in the truth of the one who said he would never leave me nor forsake me. I'm walking in the truth that one that said he's the head, that I'm the head and not the tail. I'm walking in the truth of the one who created me, the one who sanctified me, the one who called me to a pro- called me a prophet to the nations. He said, unite my heart to fear your name. I don't question God. I'm, I'm, I'm here to ask God to lead me in his truth, not my own. Why? Because my last scripture for this evening says this. Psalms 119 and 160. It says the entirety. That means the whole sum of his word is truth. And every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. I need y'all to see that. The entirety, not part of it, not just what I want to take out that makes me happy, not just what blesses me financially, not just what tells me that I can move mountains, But it says the entirety of your word is truth. And every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. Where are you at in your life? I know it's been cliche-ish to say I'm living in my truth. I'm going to function. I'm going to do things in my truth. But the reality is the enemy loves it when you say that because your truth does not depend on, if it's not lined up with God, it does not depend or it does not reside in him. So the enemy's happy because, again, a lot of times when we say, I'm going to live in my truth, we're saying it as the result of hurt, negativity, despair in our life. We're saying it because somebody does not agree with our life. We're saying it because somebody has found fault and brought it to our attention. And our response is, I'm going to live in my truth. But how many of you are willing to make the response? God, I'm ready to let go of my truth and attach myself to yours. I'm ready to let go of all that I thought was right and submit my will to what you said is right. I'm ready to let go of all that I've obtained with my own mind, with my own hands and all this stuff, but it does not draw me closer to you. The song said, draw me nearer, draw me nearer, precious Lord, to the place where thou hast died. As I close out tonight, my question to you is, are you ready to draw nearer to his truth? And move further away from what you've been living in and calling your truth. Bow your heads. Father God, in the name of Jesus.
God, I thank you for this evening. I thank you for this time. I thank you for this impartation. God, whoever is listening under the sound of my voice, I ask you, God, right now to examine their heart or cause them to examine their heart and find the place that they've been dwelling at. Find the place of their hurt. Find the place of their reality. Find the place of their situation. Find the place of their anguish. Find the place of their anger. And God, release them from that place so that they're no longer living in their truth that is based off of negativity, that is based off of the world standards, that is based off of religious standards, that is based off of who they want to appear to be. But God, reveal to them who you've called them to be. Reveal to them that it is not their truth that you're looking after, but it's the condition of their heart to submit it to you to live in your truth. Cover each and every last person on this evening. Let this word be followed by signs, miracles, and wonders in the lives of your believer. If there is someone who tuned in that does not know you, God, I ask God right now that you introduce yourself to them like never before. If there's someone who needs healing, if there's someone who needs mending of relationships, mending of broken hearts, mending of situations, I ask that you speak to them, God. God, I ask that you release a prophetic word to those connected to Liberty Christian Church International. A word that is getting ready to change the atmosphere and the environment. I thank you, God, for the word that you gave on this evening. It is in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I want to thank y'all for tuning in on this evening. Next week, we will be back in the sanctuary for a Bible study. Also, if you want to join us this Sunday, um, the address is 7842 Parston Drive, Forestville, Maryland. Our services are 4.30 in the afternoon. Um, it's an awesome time. Um, those who are... who. Um, who need to submit your Mother's Day tributes, please, 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 please email me. Please email me at Pastor Thomas at LCCIOnline.org. Um, Pastor Thomas at LCCIOnline.org. I love you with the love of God. I thank you. Um, live on purpose, live for purpose, but most importantly, live in God's purpose. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is Liberty. Be blessed.